I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. Um, you're a host, Jason, as always. Uh, and today we have a guest uh, from over at Axeway, Mr. Brian Otten. Brian, thanks for joining. Thanks for inviting me, Jason. It's good to be with you. Absolutely. We're pretty familiar, certainly, at Stoplight with the team over at uh, Axeway. They're a sort of catalyst team, you know, DevRelly kind of stuff. But I guess tell us a little bit more about kind of what you do there and kind of how that works with Axeway. Sure. Yeah, uh, we formed this team called the Catalyst Team. It's really Axway's dedication to being able to help customers with their API management journey, their API delivery journey, um, and really and making sure that that aligns with their business goals. A lot of what happened before that, like like a lot of tech companies, you kind of focus on what the platform can do, what the technology can do, and um, because you know we had people who like myself, or really from more like a practitioner architecture background, enterprise architecture background, but but also people who had sometimes worked in roles that were one foot on the business side of things. It allows us to really have different conversations with customers. I think a lot of customers, when they look at their API strategy, they start from a technology group, maybe like a, an integration group, an application development group, or it might be the people who have the remit to get the tech in-house or uh, hosted, you know, if it's a cloud, if they're 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 moving to the cloud and having it on a managed cloud option, those are the people who are really focused on technical objectives. So what we realized is that um, in order to make sure that API strategy is a success, it has to really link to the business. It has to be business driven as well. So that's where my team come came in. I was, uh, you know, I've been at Axway for four years now. And um, you know, we have the opportunity to see lots of different customers across lots of different industries and really use that expertise and try to kind of almost challenge customers to say, hey, th these are some of the other considerations you, you need to think about in terms of organizational alignment, uh, operationalizing your API strategy. How can you get, make it easier for teams to get on board with, with the strategy? And then being able to track and measure the success. Those are all things that, that um, you know, the catalysts are, are there to help our customers do uh, in order to sustain and protect the investment, really. Now, my, my assumption uh, is that actually predominantly works with sort of larger enterprise customers. Is that true? Yeah, that is the case. Yep, that's right. Yeah, it's it's interesting, though, how, um, I mean, we, we'd certainly have heard that a lot on the show here, and certainly we've seen that with Stoplight customers is how often, like, you know, can think of, you know, platform and APIs as uh, some sort of technical challenge, and it's just not even close to the top of the list, is it, right? right? Like that whole business alignment piece is crazy to me how often it's like, you know, how does your business work? How are the APIs going to help? Yeah. It's like, I don't know, API is good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we have, we were told we have to do APIs and make everything in APIs. So, yeah. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So then I guess in some sense, y'all are providing some sort of strategic consulting with some of your customers? Yeah. That's that's true. We have a set of offerings where you know we can do these kind of light engagements. Um, you know, the other thing to say is we're not, you know, like a big consultancy. So we're not looking to get yeah. in there and flood the place with with people. What we really want to do is get get our customers self sufficient so their teams can can do the API delivery. They can manage it, but they're doing it you know in a collaborative way where you know you avoid some of the big problems like 
duplication of APIs, right? Being able to get people to have self-service for APIs. A lot of our customers talk about the citizen integrator, right? You know, being able to package up APIs. And what you just said there, Jason, is, is key to that because if people are looking, searching, discovering uh, APIs in, let's say, an API marketplace, you know, if it's just a bunch of tech stuff with a bunch of endpoints and some cryptic stuff and the documentation sucks and, you know, it's nobody knows what, what it is, um, they're not going to get what they want. And then again, you know, they, they, they risk build, you know, just saying, oh, well, we're going to build it ourselves, right? Or you get, you risk having inconsistency of, of um, the way that teams are doing API. So you have a real variation of quality. I was talking to a company yesterday and a big energy company, and, and that's what they said, you know, our problem is we've got lots of teams doing APIs, but they're doing them in so many different ways. And when we start to look cross-functionally across the uh, organization or the enterprise, it's it's hard to really start to combine these APIs together and build something useful because everybody's done it in a different way. And then that adds up to time spent, right? Which is cost. So how can we get people to find the right stuff, be able to compose the right application capabilities using APIs? That's really where where we want to focus. So who is it that you're like typically meeting with in these sorts of things? I mean, you know, there's sort of the, uh, you know, management sponsor types who quite often, you know, it's like they read in a business journal, they should do APIs and they said go or something, right? Uh, then you've got like, you know, your run of the mill sort of, you know, principal architect types who are trying to build out domains. Like how often is there sort of dedicated product or technologists for that sort of platform wide view? Like, you know, who is it that you're working with on this big picture? Yeah. Um, the exciting thing is that it's starting to happen. So we're, we're starting to have organizations moving to this product organization. One pharmaceutical company that we're working with, we just happened to start helping them with their API strategy and program at a time when they were already starting to think about reorganizing their technology teams along product lines rather than systems. So previously you might have like, Oh, we're the SAP guys, you know, so we, we just manage this, this, you know, kind of back end and all the master data. And, but now they're starting to think, well, Hey, hold on a second. We, we own the capabilities for maybe, you know, business partner data or vendor data or customer data orders across, you know, invoices, things like that. And I think it gives them a chance to really see their place and start, start to get some accountability and ownership there. But it is tough because, you know, um, when I first started this role, a lot of people we we engage with were, like I said before, kind of more with the technical objectives. So you start talking to them about business capabilities and composable business architecture and using APIs as products, and you know that it's kind of go would kind of go over their heads because like, hey, I just need to get this thing up and running. Don't talk to me about that stuff. We'll do the strategy later. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I need okay. to get everyone using the same framework. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 right. It's like a tick in the box, you know. Um, but, you know, uh, the, way, the reason I said it's exciting now is because we are engaging with a lot of people on the digital strategy side, you know, whether it's banking or uh, transportation or, you know, they, they're these big digital initiatives. And those are the people that we love to engage with. And we're starting to see it more and more because they can own the roadmaps. They can start to say, hey, we've got bits of our business that we really think we could unlock some value here with APIs. And of course, you're starting to see enterprises looking at the monetization or commercialization of APIs. So that's another way um, to engage with digital strategy people who really see this as a business opportunity to open new revenue channels or build a bigger ecosystem with, with their partners and actually charge for it. You know, 
and and um, you know make some money for the business uh, off of APIs. So it's yeah, it's exciting. I think um, it, if I if you were to ask me that four years ago, it's like yeah, it's kind of tough to have those conversations. Um, but certainly, we talk to CIOs, CTO level, um, and they, they get it. But they're not the ones who, you know, they're the ones who then give the marching orders, right? right. So then you need a you need a bunch of people under that who are saying, oh, what is what are, what the hell are they telling me to do now? You know, I, I I just I don't get it. You know, so people are getting it now, and the role the role's evolving. You know, the product management combined with delivery management for the API technology side, the implementation side. Yeah. Yeah, we've definitely seen uh, the trend of sort of API product manager titles popping up now in a way that even two years ago, you didn't see that same way. And we've seen examples too of like the, the practice of sort of designing an API from scratch is actually in some places being conducted by product managers, even though they don't have any technical background, but like kind of the guardrails are put up in such a way that they're able to sort of design something past the tests and it should be close enough that the team can massage from there. Yeah. To me, that's been like just wow, finally, right? Right, the holy grail. Yeah, yeah. Being the way for a decade, and maybe it's finally starting to. to yeah, definitely. Catch. And a couple of things on that. I mean, one thing is converging on the co- common definition of value, and and that's where mm-hmm. I think a lot of the technology people struggle. I certainly remember throughout my career, you know, trying to be in a technology team and think about what is the value of what I'm doing here. Like what, what is it going to move the needle for the business or not? How are we going to track it? Are we going to just have a bunch of operational metrics in our API platform that we have to then piece together and make sense of it? You know, it's really hard retrospectively to do that if you haven't thought about that up front. So a lot of what we talk about in the life cycle, because everybody talks about API life cycle, right? Because it is, but there are lots of different, there are three real life cycles going on. There's the business operations, people coming up with the ideas, the innovation, um, the applications, the functionality and features needed to make their customers happy. But then there's also the DevOps, which is another operational thing where people want to go faster and automate and um, deliver you know, consistently and, and continuously. And that missing piece is that product operations piece. And that's really opportunity where the business uh, product people and the technology product people come together. So we do things like Hey, why don't you guys, before you even start, well, before you even decide it is going to be an API, because that's the other thing that happens, build me an API to get X data from this backend system. You know, it's like, well, hold on. Let's just talk about the value proposition of this first. Um, people like Amancio Buza have been talking about this for, for ages. Um, there are lots of people who have some kind of mature, you know, practices around this. And that's what we try to do is to say, let's, Let's work it out, get together, collaborate, um, maybe you know, whiteboard it out on a canvas for the value prop and think about what you're solving for. Think about the pains, the gains, um, think about what the tasks that people have to do. And then um, from there, you can decide, actually, yeah, an API would be perfect for this, right? And that gets you away from the, you know, we're just a cost center where someone's ordering me to you know, make a little Lego brick and connect you know, A to B where you can, as a technology team, you can actually start to grow and developers can feel and API designers can feel like they're more part of the business effort, you know? Um, So that's cool. And that actually informs the API design. So having something like a value proposition, which, yeah, then leads to maybe like user stories and things like that, but start even further back, you know, where people are converging on that common definition of, yeah, this this is great. This is what we need. This is what the API is going to solve. So, yeah, I think I think it's a great way to inv- inform your design, 
and make sure you don't have to redo it or you've missed a whole bunch of stuff or you've missed a whole bunch of consumers that you could have thought of up front as well. And again, you know, that, that way you don't build it just for one API consumer where the next one comes along and you've got to completely rework it, you know, spend a whole bunch of time and money doing that. You've got real, true, reusable API components and, and products. Yeah, to stretch your uh, Lego metaphor, it's like building standard shaped Legos rather than uh, those those licensed branded ones that only work on that one. Right? right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> annoying. Like, what did this piece even come from? Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I guess summing it up a bit, like that initial engagement, which more and more should be led by product, is to some extent about what is the reusability. How does this fit into the bigger portfolio? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, is like even before perhaps you're even dealing with like what are our conventions or like how do we do auth that stuff isn't even that relevant at that right. phase. Right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it's more about your roadmap. You know, we did an engagement last year with with a regional bank in the U.S. and it it, it is a kind of a beautiful. And I feel like I'm getting corny now, but it, it's a beautiful thing to behold when the business product manager gets it. And again, this is where design tooling comes in as well because you can't do that. If you're all looking at a YAML file or a, or a JSON you know, expression of an a, open API specification, the tooling unlocks a lot of that. And I think it really brings it to light or it makes it real for business people. Because then you're talking about, oh, what are the, what's the licensing around this? Oh, I can put that in the spec. Oh, what about the documentation? Can we list out some of the use cases and document that so that the developer, when they do go to the marketplace, they can go, ah, I see in the catalog, I've got this, I know exactly what it's going to give me, and I grab and I go. So it really helps. And it also helps a lot of organizations, as I said before, who are struggling with the commercialization strategy around APIs. So if they can see how the APIs can be designed in a way that uh, makes it easy for the consumer to build that into their own workbench or their own flow, you know, then they can really see the value of what they're delivering for customers. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think for those of us in the kind of tooling space, I feel like 2022 was like the turning point at which like API product became real. You know, it's like rather than the, oh, wow, you actually do API product, you know, now it's like far more commonplace. But yeah, I, I guess if we go back to that life cycle thinking, right, that we do all this homework on the product side to make sure we're doing things reusable, it makes sense in the big picture. But then presumably next, you know, now we're going to say, all right, let's have a, a draft design. And does this, beyond fitting in sort of logically, is this consistent with the way we do things? And I, uh, I guess, what do you see in sort of consulting engagements as far as how folks set that up and make it work? Yeah, I think there's a lot of immaturity in that area. But there's always, you know, in the conversations I have, there's always this, ah, yeah, we really would like to have a common way for API teams to do to to design the APIs, and yeah, I think you you mentioned actually, Jason, the, the the governance or the rules or the style guides or you know, and so I've seen a lot of attempts, some really good ones too, like good attempts to come up with the style guide. But then you know, what's the differences between okay, I got to go find the style guide. It's on a SharePoint. It's fifty pages. Like you know, how do you how do you make that so that it's part of gov- like governance by design? I think that's that's really what a lot of people I'm talking to are interested in is, yeah, the, the, you know, the, the, the guidelines and the conventions and you know, all of that stuff are great. But if, if developers aren't going to 
if it's not easy for them, they're not going to do it. You know, you know, we all come from the development, but I do anyway. You know, you are always saying, well, that's extra, that's extra stuff. I don't care or make it easy for me. And I think that's another way that the design tooling platform can really help is to say, yeah, we'll, we'll actually give you the guardrails, as you say, we will, and you can see as you're designing, right? So it's not an extra governance check that we have to do afterwards. And, and I, I think that's just awesome. You know, that, that, that kind of thing really makes it easy for development teams to, to make sure they're doing the quality, not leaving things out because the onus shouldn't be on them for a lot of that stuff. They want to get on and do the, actually do the, the API design for the, you know, what the behavior is and what the API, um, the data that the capability the API is providing. Yeah, I, I think back to, um, you know, it's like nearly 10 years ago doing this kind of stuff as a practitioner in PayPal and like, yeah, you got to like write all these crazy standards. And I'll tell you like how it played out in reality was, yeah, you got a bunch of standards, a bunch of stuff no one's going to read. So what do you got to do? You got to go set up training workshops and you got to run everybody through it, right? right? And sort of explain all the, here's what happens if you don't do this stuff, right? Here's the things that we're protecting you from and why this these sort of standards are important. Yep. But then it's like, you know, if you say, well, let's use, you know, open API or whatever to specify it. Well, now you got to do a multi-day training course on how to do that, right? In a lot of cases. So it's like, yeah, I think, you know, obviously it's not like we're pretty convinced of the things that you're saying, but it's like kind of one of these things where once you see it, you can't unsee it as like, cool, I'm designing something. I see where there's errors. I fix them as I go. And by the time I commit it, I know it matches at least 80% of the standards, yep. right? There yeah. may be some intricacy that we can't automate, but yeah, I mean, it's been wild at Stoplight watching Spectral just be everywhere in the last yeah. two years because it's it's just that it's like once you've done it, you go, why would I do that the other way? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. You're scratching your head. Or, um, or worse, worse yet, just go build something one off. And then before you're ready to launch, go, okay, how does this match up with standards? It's like, oh my God, that's an yeah. expensive way to do it. Well, <laughs> that is expensive and it's risky. You know, it's operational mm -hmm. risk because, you know, if you're leaving out default security or, you know, you, you could get quite sophisticated in, well, if you're building an API, for example, that has personally identifiable information in it, you know, using things like tags and classification, you could, you could even, and I've, I've worked on a project like this too, where you could say, well, actually, if, if we see that type of metadata, you have to have such and such security policies for your API, right? And start to, and again, it's, it's automation, but it's actually governance as well, you know, and that's the thing like no C, CIO or CTO wants to pay for governance. You know, like you tell them that and they'll just like, you know, point to the door and show you, show you the door. Like that's something you should just be doing and having those tools and, and having the specifications and the standards make it, make it a lot easier to do it. I guess these days, how are you seeing, um, I, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I have to, I have to stay up to speed on these things because I haven't been a practitioner in a couple of years now and we talk to them a lot, but, you know, I always ask is like developing these standards and sort of getting it, you know, spread out through the organization and that sort of thing. Like, what are you seeing? sort of organizationally and I mean we touched on some of the tooling side, but like how should how should people think about organizing in a way that makes that sort of work and not be, to your point, a big expense? Yeah, um, that's that's an interesting one. Uh, I quite like the idea, and this comes back to organizational um, factors now, because the, the the example I gave before where, you know, the, the company I talked to yesterday where they're like, oh, Everyone's doing it in a different way. We have no way to understand where they are in the life cycle. Um, you know, we, we can't impose or, you know, we don't, we don't know whether they're following the guidelines and the standards. 
Um, you need people who can can help teams to understand, like you said, why they need to do it in the first place, the types of improvements we're going to get and benefits we're going to get, and then, but also how to onboard those teams in a way that's easy for them for them to do it. So I like to talk about like an API guild or an API lead team, for example, and those people can be really instrumental in getting delivery teams within, let's say, a line of business or a capability area. But what they can also do is then join up across the enterprise and share their experiences and be the ones who are making sure that teams are onboarded in the right way. <clears throat> so that you know you, you go from one end of the enterprise to the other and people say, yeah, no, I'm familiar with the enterprise development lifecycle and I know how APIs work within that lifecycle and I've got ways to make that easier for me. So, so I think that having that team that sits across, but they're not, you know, they're not like a, an offshoot. I've also worked in kind of like centers of excellence or enterprise data architecture teams where that was our responsibility. But once again, the danger is everyone tells you to go away. You know, don't, don't, don't it sounds good, but you know, uh, I got to deliver. So leave me alone, you know, with the, with the guild approach to be these people are actually embedded in those parts of the organization so they can make the change happen. And uh, as I say, also work across and uh, the organization to, to make it better and see improvements and make sure that teams can get, up, get on board quickly. Yeah, I feel like sometimes organizational leaders sort of look back at that past approach of like center of excellence style where you might need some central team of 50 people to manage, you know, what's going on. But it's like uh, what you're describing, we usually call like a federated enablement type approach yep. right? that you've, you're sort of sharing that responsibility, but that somebody's sort of curating the bigger picture of standards and stuff. And um, it's stunning sometimes to me how often like, you know, 20, 30,000 people companies can have like one or two full-time people that manage that yeah, uh, because it's fanned out. But mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, you know, that sort of central team that you're talking about, I mean, have you seen that be sort of a large thing and work well, or are they usually pretty small? Um, they are pretty, they're pretty small. Yeah. Like you said, you don't want too many people being pulled off their, their day job doing it. But what uh, I like what you said there about federated, because you can have within <clears throat> each part of the organization, you would have a few key people who can help guide and really what you're driving for is self-sufficiency. So you don't need that, you know, team, you don't need a bottleneck where everything has to go through them. The, the API practices are actually starting to scale out. And 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 kind of like you said about the API as a product, which is exciting, I'm starting to see that now too. Because a center of excellence is great, but it's more about evangelizing. It's more about, you know, kind of making people aware. Yeah, and I think people get confused about that. Like what's the difference between a COE and a center of excellence? And for me, you know, having worked in large enterprises all my career, you just you just don't want bottlenecks. You just don't, and you need, and you don't want this disassociated team who's trying to get everybody together and do the right thing without having any skin in the game. You know, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's. I guess we're sort of unpacking this whole like design first thing a bit here. That a lot of what we're describing of like, oh, fan out the responsibility and you know, kind of have this federated approach. Like, if you don't have that sort of design time enforcement of governance and standards kind of stuff, pretty hard to do, right? Because <laughs> like, yeah. then yeah. you sort of overwhelm everybody with too many things to learn. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I like it. I like you know the, the notion of API enablement as a service, especially if your platform is API first or API enabled, 
you know, because we, we do that, you know, at X-Way, we think about how can we make sure that the APIs within our own platform can make it play nicely with lots of other uh, platform components within the lifecycle, you know, so taking that API approach the whole way through and then being able to, yeah, drive the lifecycle from that with, and, and I, I can't emphasize enough, like the design at the, at the core of it, you know, it's really where the business and the, and the technical delivery meets. All right. So there's, uh, I don't know if you've watched a bit, you may already expect that I'm going to ask it, but we generally do is like for someone listening that might go, wow, that's a lot of stuff. Um, you know, is there like an easier place or like a sensible place out of all these things that you described that we should focus on first? That's the most important out of all these things. Yeah, I think I think focus on the teams that are currently doing APIs pretty well, and then start to add in this kind of guild approach or this lead team. So take those people because that's that's really the way it works. Usually, when I see it, is like you've got teams who are really doing this in a, in a in a good way or an efficient way, but those are the people who can then drive the different changes that can lead to this API first approach and scale and scale it out. So. It, I would always start with organization first, you know, instead of getting the tooling in place uh, first, and then think about how you can have those people work together to have a program around it, have an API program where people can be managing a roadmap and, you know, getting teams onboarded the right way. Cool. Well, uh, I guess, um, you know, beyond kind of the where to get started thing, I guess any other, uh, you know, stuff that you want to highlight for listeners here, any other sort of closing thoughts? Um, yeah, I just say, you know, you know, think about your consumers, think about who's consuming the APIs and then focus on design and that program governance, I would say is like, get people aligned and get the business people involved. You know, that those, those things all together will ensure that your API strategy is going to be a success. I think that's, that's, that's what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Love it, Brian. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question, and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you. API Intersection podcast listeners are invited to sign up for Stoplight and save up to $650. Use the code Intersection10 to get 10% off a new subscription to Stoplight Platform Starter or Pro. Take a look at this episode's description for more details.